perfect God-man, God in human flesh, and lived among us a perfect life that he might die a perfect death for our broken place. Father, thank you that we can find redemption in his name. And Father, we just turn to him today and ask that you will grow us as your church. Father, thank you that you designed this amazing mechanism, this organism, this living body called the church to be your people, to love one another and to love the world and to draw people to Jesus. Father, we are so grateful to be that family. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Well, welcome this morning. And welcome to our youth and college and everybody else over here. You guys give a shout out real quick. Woo! All right, there we go. All right, and how about our kids? Where are our kids this morning? Oh, come on. Come on. That's not what you do at my house. Come on, where are our kids this morning? Man, the adults have you guys beat today. Okay, I'm going to count to three. We're going to try it one more time. Okay, where are our kids this morning? One, two, three. There we go. Okay, all right, good. All right. We love having kids as a part of our family here at the church. Uh, I'm Pastor Jared, and this is Pastor Kevin, and we are yeah. uh, pastors here at the church, and we are, we're doing second part of our vision series this Sunday. And so we're going to do that together like we often do. Yeah, we really believe in a plurality of leadership here at Risen Life. We see that as a biblical example throughout the scriptures. There's no one person that carries the burden, but we share it as we lead together and teach together. And we're thankful for the opportunity to do that. So we want to demonstrate that in, in every way we possibly can. And it is our aim as we talk about vision is to take this gospel that God has given us, this precious gospel of Jesus Christ who died and rose again, who transforms the lives of all that would surrender their lives to him as Lord. He is Lord of all things, and they are changed from the inside out, and we become brand new people. Yeah, so we're going we're gonna to do the second part of our sermon series. We want to give you a couple of updates on a few things as we get started. Um, last week we announced that we're doing a, a fundraising campaign for Iglesia Risen Life. It's our newest church plant that yes. Tono and his family are leading, and someone in our congregation gave a $25,000 grant towards that church plant, and we're going to see if we can match it. Yep. And so we want you all to be a part of that as well, and you can give by going on the Church Center app, click on Give, put in the amount, and select the fund Iglesia Risen Life, yep. and uh, you can be a part of what we're doing there. Yeah, and if you'll match that, along with the denominational money that we get for a church plant, we will cover all their expenses for 2023. Check it out. All right? Yeah, let's do that. Yeah, so let's Let, do let's, that. Let's pay the price today, tomorrow, the next day, and let's get this done. And then we can just go to work and spread the gospel amongst all peoples. The nations is God's beautiful thing. All nations will be worshiping him uh, together. And next weekend, we'll have a bunch of men gone, not because we won't be in church, but we'll be at a men's retreat. So that's <laughs> next weekend. Uh, up in the Duchesne area, if you're a guy and want to be on a part of a great retreat next weekend, it's Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. You can sign up on the app or let one of us know. Pastor Sean, where are you at? I don't know. He sometimes goes back here and prays before he comes back out. But anyway, um, we want to have you come. Be a part of that. It would be great uh, to have you. And then just want to remind you, if you're a group leader here at Risen Life, there's a meeting, a lunch meeting today following this service where we will be equipping you to continue to shepherd and pastor. We're thankful for the dozens and dozens of people that shepherd others in groups in this congregation. Without you, we cannot do this, right? I mean, this is part of being a body and being a family is finding those that are shepherds and putting you in places where you're shepherding, loving, and serving people. And we are, I think that's a critical part of what we do. 
Yeah, now last week we started by looking at what is, what is the vision of the church? Like, what is our main mission and goal? And we said it's to make disciples. That we want to be a body of people that is all about making disciples. As Jesus talked about in Matthew 28, 18 through 20, he said, I give you all authority, now go into the world and make disciples, teaching them everything I've taught you and baptizing them in the name of the Father and Son and Holy Spirit. And so we want to be a church that is about that mission of making disciples here in the Salt Lake Valley and around the world and raising up men and women who are qualified and ready to teach others what it means to follow Jesus. Yeah, and we call it real, trans real life transformation and real life multiplication and uh, transformation that we are made into the image of Christ. All of us are becoming more like Jesus, who are followers of him. And then we're called to not only become like Jesus, but also help others go and become like Jesus. And we call that multiplication. And so we've actually been enjoying a book. I don't have it with me this morning. I reached down <laughs> for it, and it's gone. Somebody <laughs> took it. So anyway, and I'm glad. Read it. It's a great book. So, but this guy argues that there's two parts of disciple making, and that's transformation and multiplication. And all of that transformation comes to this message that we call the gospel, that the Bible lays before us the gospel, the good news. It's good news that all of us in our broken places, God created a world perfectly and, and created it with perfect design and we've gone our own way and created in our lives brokenness and we see the world scrambling to try to fix their brokenness. They try it in all kinds of ways and none of it works until they get to Jesus. And you get to Jesus, and he heals you and redeems you and heals those broken places and makes you new. And then we are restored back to his design. This is the gospel message that when we put our personal faith in Jesus, a personal decision to trust him and give our life to him, to ask him to heal us, to make us new, and submit to him as Lord of our lives, we are made new and put on a brand new trajectory for our lives. Yeah, and we want to be people that are about this gospel, that are, that are working to spread this among the people we know and in our city and in our world because we believe that it is what changes the human heart. It is the only thing that changes the heart is what God does through Christ. And we've been using this metaphor for our vision series uh, of a battleship. We had our little... We lost a we, ship. We lost like, our toy boats. We were going to bring toy boats again this week, but we couldn't find good ones. Yeah, we... Your Lego boat was only half It was built, like so half, yeah, it was destroyed. Yeah, it had been so hit by a torpedo. Anyway, so we want to be a church that is more like a battleship than a cruise ship. We don't want to just be here enjoying and taking, but we want to be people that are on mission and preparing ourselves to do what God has called us in the world. And so we began last week looking at eight metrics that help us kind of diagnose our engagement uh, in the gospel. This came from a book, Transforming Discipleship. Uh, and, and these will help us get off the cruise ship mentality and into uh, a more wartime battleship mentality. And last week we looked at two. The first one was the church. Is church optional or essential? And, and we, we settled on the fact that we think the church is God's best plan for discipleship. This is his plan for reaching the world. And so because of that, it is essential. It's been essential in my life to my Christian growth and, and we see it. When you stop going to church, you start fading from God. And so we believe that church is essential to our Christian growth and God's plan to reach the world. And we also said last week that all of us are ministers. 
Will we be passive or will we be proactive? Are, are you, everybody in this room, engaged in ministry, active ministry? God is calling all of us to be ministers. In fact, in 1 Peter 2.9, we're called a royal priesthood. Priests draw people into worship of Jesus. That means all of us. Like we're all a holy nation, a royal priesthood. We're all to be involved in drawing people into uh, a relationship with Jesus and serving him as part of uh, the family. Yeah, so this week we're going to look at six more that, that he has for us. So the first one is this. Six-point sermon, Jared. Six-point six sermon. We're right, we we going to make it crisp here, baby. We said we kind of get to volley back and forth about one time, and then we've we got to move on. on the so, next yep. um, all right, so the first one is this. The Christian life, will it be casual or will it be disciplined? Here's, here's what the, the, the Bible calls us to in 1 Corinthians 9, 24 through 27. Paul says this, Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one receives the prize? So run that you may obtain it. Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable. So I do not run aimlessly. I do not box as one beating the air. But I discipline my body and keep it under control, lest after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. And so really the question we're asking here, and what Paul is speaking to, is, is your Christian growth going to be a priority for you? You know, if you show up to church on Sunday and hang around Christians, God, God can do a work of sanctification in you. In fact, you'll grow a bit. But when we work at what God has given us, we work to be in relationship with Him. And as we're going to talk about, read our Bibles and, and do the things of a Christian, your growth will be exponential. And so God is calling us to, Paul's talking about here, an athlete. An athlete works out, right? He doesn't just go try to win the race off the couch. If you try that, it's not very fun and hurts and you might get injured. Yeah. And so they're saying... You need to work out. You need to do the things of faith so that you are prepared to grow and do the things that God has asked you to do and ultimately win the prize that God has set out for us. Yeah, it's work. Like if you want to succeed as a Christian, you can't just be casual. You've got to be disciplined. You've got to work at it. It reminded me yesterday, you know, I was kicking back. Probably maybe a bunch of us did on my couch watching a little bit of football. And I'm sitting there, you know, kind of getting mad at the guys, like, for not playing as well as I want them to on my team, you know. And I'm going, you know, really, I'm like the, the fans in the stands. We all really need some exercise. 72,000 of us, right? We need to exercise. And we're screaming at 22 guys in the field that desperately need some rest, you know. <laughs> and, and, and that's kind of the way it can be in the church. Like, you're kind of all cheering us on. But, no, you're part of the fight. you got to be in it. We ought to all be working, and Jared and I were talking this week how um, we learn these things um, in our younger lives as Christians to really be disciplined in uh, our approach to our faith. Yeah, I can think back when I was in high school, I had a, a youth group worker. He wasn't even the youth pastor, but a guy that ran a small group in the youth group. And uh, he sat a, a group of us guys down, and he taught us how to inductively study the Bible. First time I'd ever seen this, right? Here's how you study your Bible. And this man began to show us, and that lit a fire in my soul that I want to study God's Word. He began to show us things I would never have seen unless I really studied at God's Word. And so it, it taught me to be a student of, uh, of the text. I can think even in college, it's kind of funny, but I hardly read a book before college. 
uh, even in college. And so afterwards, I was traveling the world with my wife, and uh, I began reading Harry Potter. <laughs> and I loved it so much that God lit a, lit a flame in my soul to begin to read, and that's when I began to read other theology books and, again, dig into what do I actually believe. Uh, and those were great turning points for me. Yeah, in my life, I was blessed. Um, I was 23 years old. I was a young engineer and uh, was working, uh, but attending a church. And uh, a man about 10 years older than me that also worked for the same company came up to me and, and he said to me, imagine this, would you like me to teach you how to study the Bible? Like, what if that person had never come up to me? I wouldn't be here today, right? I, I owe my life to this guy. His name's John Cochran. He's a dear friend. And um, and he came and he sat down with me and he taught me how to read the Bible for myself and study it and how to pray and how to journal. Like, right? This is 40 years ago. And you know what I'm doing today, 40 years later? The same thing he taught me. It changed my life. But I'm telling you, not every morning do I want to get up and do this. <laughs> like, like, right? I'm not always in the mood for this. But I do it out of discipline because I know if I get casual and I let myself coast, I'll end up in a bad way. And you will too. And so these disciplines matter. Jesus said when you deny yourself and you take up your cross daily, right? That's a painful picture there. When you do the hard thing of sacrificing and lay down your life, then you find life. That's how you find life. So lay it down, brothers and sisters. Go after it. It'll change your life and you'll be a, in a good way when you get older and grayer, you know, like it happens eventually <laughs> to all of us. So even Jared is coming, baby. <laughs> Mine's not getting grayer. It's just <laughs> going away. <laughs> um, yeah, well, a book that's meant a lot to me in my Christian development has been Richard Foster's Celebration of the Disciplines. That book has taught me a lot about what it means to just really abide in Jesus in the vine, to do the spiritual disciplines, to be not casual but disciplined about seeking Jesus and the benefits that, that come from it. You know, James kind of speaks this way too when he, when he tells us in James 1.22, he says, be doers of the word, not hearers only, deceiving yourself, right? He says, because if you only hear it, you're like a man that looks into the mirror of God's word and then you walk away and forget what you're like. You forget what you saw, but if you persevere and you don't forget, but you're a doer who acts, you'll be blessed in your doing. So what he's saying is if you will work at this thing, if you will walk with God, if you'll be disciplined, there's actually blessing to come in your life as you learn to be doers of the word and be disciplined about what God has called us yeah, to do. Yeah, and we've sought to summarize it in this wheel that you're familiar with. It's in the back of the worship center. It's up here in a minute, I think. And uh, anyway, this wheel, if it doesn't show up, there it is, gives us kind of the basic pictures of things we've got to do, give ourselves to and the disciplines we've got to give ourselves to uh, that then we will grow and become like, like Jesus. So, so yes, uh, the Christian life is discipline, not casual. Secondly, this morning, uh, our discipleship is not private, but it's holistic, and the question is, is our Christian life a slice of our life, or is it the whole of our life? And that's what we struggle with, I think, as a culture, is we want to make our Christianity and our walk with God this little slice that we have on Sunday morning, and the rest of the week we feel like we can just do whatever we want. We live like the world. But 1 Corinthians 10.31 says, so whether you eat 
or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. And so everything we do in our life can be done to his glory, right? My wife took my wife out on a date on Friday night. We go out on Friday nights often and we eat this really we don't usually do it this way, but we did it up pretty big on Friday night. We went out to a fancy steak restaurant, and, uh, and oh, my gosh, like, it was great. And I was glad to do that to the glory of God. And, uh, and the way you do it is enjoy it. to the Christians should enjoy food more than anybody on the planet. But then stop and say, thank you, God. You're amazing. Thanks for creating this body that can enjoy it so much, and you do it to his glory. Yeah, yeah I mean, this is the, the, the biblical view of what our world should be that that all is holy, right? We kind of like to make this secular and, and sacred divide. But the Christian life, everything is holy. Everything should be worshipped to God. Like we've said in our wheel here, a risen life is a life of worship. Everything we do is, is worship to God. And so we want to be people that every part of our life, every compartment, everything that we do is about worshipping God. Somebody a long time ago kind of taught me this, this metaphor about integrity or what your character looks like across your life, and you can think of it kind of as a chest of drawers. And for some of us, you open the top shelf and maybe you get some Christianity, open the next shelf, it's all NFL football, open the next shelf, it's something else. But really what God is calling us to is that any one of those shelves that you would open, you would find our Christian life is throughout everything that we do. It's, it's in the way we recreate, it's in the way we eat, it's in the way we treat other people, it's in our mission, it's in our work, it's in everything. Every drawer that you would open, your character would be found to be the same as one that's a worshiper of God. Yeah, and during the Crusades, this rather awful time in Christian history, uh, the Crusaders were baptized Christian. And when they were baptized, they would often take their swords and hold them out of the water as they went into the water as baptized in other words, they were going to use their swords to commit murder, but they didn't want those submitted to Jesus. You know, and I think while we are not that today, a lot of times when we are baptized or surrender our life to Jesus, we hold our wallet out of the water or we hold our sexuality out of the water and we do it our own way, right? We say, this, these parts of my life I'll give to Jesus, but then there's a whole bunch of these like I'm just holding it out of the water. And that is not what God is calling us to do. God is saying all of you, right? Jesus is Lord of all of us and we submit our entire lives to him. Yeah, and that kind of leads us to our next, our next point here is this question. Uh, as we think about our culture, um, are we conformed to our culture or are we transformed out of our culture? So in other words, do you look more like Jesus or do you look more like the world? Well, what's, what does your life look like? You know, our verse for our discipleship wheel, our theme verse here is this Romans 12, 1 and 2. And listen to what it says. It says, I appeal, therefore, to you, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. So I want all of you on the altar every day. And then he says, do not be conformed to this world, but rather be transformed by the renewal of your mind, and by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. So what, we, what, what the gospel teaches us is that we are born with a mindset that's not godly. And as we begin to learn God's ways through his word and through other people, that those things should actually translate into the actions of our life, that our lives would be transformed from what they once were 
into something else that's worshiping God. That the ways we do things as Christians should be different, with different motives and different purposes, looking towards different results that are godly. Yeah, if we're not intentional to um, hear the word of God and obey it, we will drift and become like the world. The culture is like gravity. It just pulls on us and tugs on us and makes it like itself. And it just creeps in. And Satan, you know, his attack is rarely right in front of us, right after us, just <coughs> to sink us. It's subtle and it's sneaky and it's a slow drift. And that's how he goes after us. You know, I've talked to several pastors um, that have gone through the pandemic, and their churches have sometimes shrunk and closed. I read that like 25% of churches closed during the pandemic. And a lot of them, they're just let themselves drift. They stop teaching the Bible. They stop teaching the principles of the Bible. They give themselves to everything culturally. And pretty soon, there's nothing they're really standing for. And if you stand for what God teaches and encourage people to follow it, it gives us strength. We want to be people that are not like the world. In fact, 2 Corinthians 6, 17 says, Therefore, go out from their midst and be separate from them, says the Lord. We're to be different. We're to be unique. There's so many ways in which we are similar to the world. We love to live, and we love to eat, and we love to play, and we love to go to work, and various things. But there's all kinds of ways that we're to be different. We need to know those and then be separate from them. Yeah, in fact, culture creeps in so much that we don't even realize how much we look like the culture day to day, right? We kind of swim in the fishbowl. It's kind of the frog in the hot water. You don't even realize where you are. And that's why we need God's revelation in our life through his word that teaches us what are his priorities, what are his things, what does a follower of Jesus looks like. You know, John Stott has this great quote about how we, how we are transformed and really we can be transformed to be much like the culture or much away from it and to be followers of God. And he says this. He says, if you sow a thought, then you'll reap an action. Sow an action and you'll reap a habit. Sow a habit and you reap a character. And when you sow a character, you'll reap a destiny. And so we want to be people that are sowing an eternal destiny with God as we learn from his word and becoming people that are transformed out of our culture. Yeah, so the next metric um, that helps us get off the cruise ship and onto the battleship and be distinct in our disciple-making is, are we biblically illiterate or informed? Do we take the Bible seriously? Do we know and live by the God's Word, or do we not? And Colossians 3.16 says that we are to let the Word of Christ dwell in us richly, and then teaching and admonish one another in all wisdom. One of our favorite verses is Ezra 7.10 where it said, Ezra studied the word to know it and then to do it and then to teach others to follow it. And we want to do that. 2 Timothy 2.15 says, Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth. And so we're to be students of this book. Um, it's impossible to know what to do unless you know the truth. Like we talk about, like, don't be conformed to the culture. Well, how do we know what that is? Unless we study the Bible and know it and read it and let it convict us and show us the path to walk on. Because then we know what's right and wrong, and then we can 
walk in that way. And, and this has been something that I consider so valuable from my childhood. Again, you know, having all the little children in this worship service and having them in classes in the previous hour, they're learning God's word. You'd be surprised what they're picking up, parents. They're picking it up. And here's how I know it. I'm a 60-something-year-old guy, and I sometimes quote verses in the King James. <laughs> you know when I learned them in the King James? In my childhood and not later. That means that verse that I just quoted, Kevin, you learned it when you were a child. And that happens all the time. Isn't that crazy? So there it is. Like put it, pack it in your mind, in your heart. You'll be surprised. 40 years later, it's going to be coming out in whatever version you're studying today. <laughs> yeah, even this morning as we were talking in our, our parenting class back here at 9.15, um, people were saying, you know, the things my kids learned in their childhood, some of them are starting to come out, right? And so we, we got we to gotta put the Bible in our hearts. Like I said, this, this man in my teenage years taught me how to study the Bible and learn from it. I can also think of things I did as a kid, these, these Bible drills where everybody would have their paper Bible and they'd say, okay, turn to the book of John, right? You try to turn there as fast as you can. It helped me learn the Bible. In fact, some of the ways, you know, like Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, General, General Electric Power Company, that's how I remember that <laughs> since I was like six years old because I've been working at these things and getting the Bible in my mind. And, you know, we, we can't do what is right, what God asks of us, if we don't know what's right. And there's lots of confusion out in the world about what we should be about, how we should act, what it means to relate to some God out there. And yet God's Word teaches us all about that. But it's up to us to be in God's Word and finding regular patterns of how do I get in God's Word? How do I get it into my heart? How do I get it before my eyes so that I think and act and teach with the Bible coming out of my heart. Yeah, so simple, right? And really, in today's culture in America, we are so spoiled. Like, we can access God's Word in multiple translations, in multiple ways, from listening to it on a, just on, the, on a podcast or on the Internet or on a CD. Or w There's just lots of ways to listen to God's Word. It is so available to us in America. We're spoiled. Don't miss it. And we, we gotta kind of get a chuckle out of this, Jared and I do. But <laughs> we, we kind of are known as a church that teaches the Bible. Isn't that a funny thing? Like, what do you teach? <laughs> like, I, we don't really, I think we're just simple. We don't know yeah. how to do it any other way, but like, that's what we do. Teach the Bible and then let's set out to do it. Yeah. And we want you to study it and know it and then to do it and then teach others to do the same. So one of the things God's Word teaches us, and we have it on our discipleship wheel for, for a reason, is, is evangelism, or it's our witness that as Christians, this is one of the disciplines we should do, that we should be sharing our faith. And God uses that not only to reach people, but to tr continue to transform us and teach us more things about who He is and what He's doing in the world. And so this next point asks us, is our witness active or inactive? Are we engaged in sharing Jesus with people around us or not engaged? Um, one of the verses that we've used for a long time at Risen Life comes from Colossians 4, 2 through 4. This is Paul here talking about. And we, we talk about this being a, a pray and watch strategy, that we would pray to God and ask for opportunities, and then we would watch for those opportunities to come. This is what Paul says. He says, Continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving, 
And at the same time, pray for us that God may open to us a door for his word to declare the mystery of Christ on account for which I am in prison, that I may make it clear which is how I ought to speak. You know, I've been asking God a lot, and all of us as a staff, we've been working at our evangelism as a staff, and we've been asking for more and more opportunities to share the gospel. And God's been granting those. When you ask God for things, he gives them. And so this week, a guy I've been praying for a lot, I was climbing with him in the climbing gym, and we began talking about his place in faith and where he, what he's been thinking about life and different things. And God was answering my prayer to give me an opportunity to share the gospel, and we're looking forward to how God will continue to do that. Yeah, we encourage you to pray, like this verse says, to pray and be watchful. Like, pray for your neighbors. Know their names. If you don't know the names of the people around you, kind of put yourself in the center and create eight blocks of homes around you, like four corners and middle pieces. Know those people and pray for them by name. I, I take every morning, I, I pray for those people that are in my little neighborhood around my, that circle. And, and it's amazing how God then uh, alerts you to when you're supposed to take advantage of the opportunity to, to share him, to pray and to watch. And you know, they have one thing in common with us, and that is they're finding life difficult, and it's painful, and there's brokenness in their life, just like you and me. And the gospel is the answer to that. In fact, one of the ways we really encourage people to share the gospel these days is through this what we call Three Circles. You can find it as an app. Find it on the Internet. We're glad to give you a pamphlet if you like or a little booklet here if you want that. But it just speaks of uh, God's design. He made a perfect world. We sinned and we fell into broken places and our lives are filled with pain and suffering because that's what sin does. We try to fix it in all kinds of ways that don't work until we come to the gospel and we turn back to Jesus and give our lives to him and he restores us and bring us, brings us back to God's design. He's redeeming the world. Redemption is the Bible's word of taking us back to the wholeness of walking in God's design and his way. And one of the really cool things that we like about this is it's very contemporary in this sense is that the way people receive the gospel best these days is through their brokenness. Uh, we were listening to Eric Johnson, who was teaching our staff a little bit about uh, being a witness in our city, and he's been here for decades sharing Christ. He said, I used to appeal to people from an apologetic and a truth standpoint. That's how I argued them into the faith. Today, that doesn't work. I must enter their brokenness and bring the grace and mercy of Christ to their broken places. Then they'll listen to the gospel. And so that is where we're at. And let's, let's enter the brokenness of our neighbors, seek to minister to them, love them, serve them, help them, share how Christ has helped us. And those are the opportunities that he uh, gives us. And that's the job God's called us to do. This is sharing the gospel as being part of being a disciple maker. In fact, this is God's gift towards us that we could participate in the work that he's doing in the world. Second Corinthians says it like this. And I always love this. It says, look, all this is from God who through Christ reconciled us to himself. So we've been transformed through the gospel. And then he gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. You know how God saves people? It's through you. It's through me. It's through each one of us. As we take the gospel in, then we are to breathe it out to those around us. And that is God's plan for reaching the world. And we have been challenged by those that have come and spoken to our staff that 
the church is the best place and the best way to reach people. That every Sunday morning, people are coming in here looking for answers. They're coming here to find hope. They're coming here to find healing. That most people still in America today, when they're really going through it, will come to church to see if there's an answer there. And guess what that makes all of us? ministers right here right now because somebody near you needs your encouragement and your blessing an arm around their shoulder and have a sense of God's love spoken through you this morning so when you're here on Sunday morning don't just come and enjoy come and be a minister and reach out to somebody around you introduce encourage them uh, by saying hi to them now our last point we, we added, band, this, you can come on up we band, added yeah. this one from the book okay because we feel like this one is super important if we're to be working at the work of God, and this is prayer. And, and our question really is, are we engaged or is it irrelevant to us? Okay, so will we engage with God in prayer and begin to ask and think about all these things? First Thessalonians 5.17 calls us as believers to pray without ceasing. That means in everything we do throughout our day, little prayers, big prayers, whatever's going on, being in communication with God about the things in our life and what he would have for us in that moment and where he would like us to go long term. James talks about we don't give what we want to pray for because sometimes we have bad motives. Right? We ask for things to use on our own pleasures, but John 15, 7 says, if you'll abide in me and my words in you, then whatever you ask for, Jesus will answer that prayer. And so we want to be people of the word that know what God is calling us to and then pray along those lines so that we would see him move in our church and in our city and in our world. And Jared and I have been asking God to uniquely use us this year to reach people. People would turn to Jesus and accept him. And we have seen God start to answer that. We've got a number. We're not sharing it. That we're asking God to save a good number of us, right? Have people come here and trust Christ as their Savior. And you know what? God is answering in cool ways, and we're really thankful. And we want to encourage you to pray and ask God to use you, right? This is the way to live. Lay down your life for this purpose of bringing people to Jesus, transforming their lives and giving them hope and giving them eternal life. Let's give ourselves to this. But it starts with prayer, us asking God, God, please use me. And the verse that Jared just said, if you... Abide in me, and my words abide in you. Whatever you ask for, it will be done for you. He delights in answering that prayer. Yeah, so this morning we're going to move to a time of prayer. God wants us to be praying on our own with him, but he also wants us to be praying corporately as a church. You know, Second Chronicles 7.14 is this classic verse where it says, If my people will pray, right? If my people will pray, if they will humble themselves and turn their face towards me and forsake their wicked ways, I will heal, I will hear them from heaven and forgive them and God will turn around and bless his people. And so we want to do that this morning. We want to pray together. So we're going to use our, our pray and acronym. We're going to praise, we're going to repent, we're going to ask, and we're going to yield to God. And so Kevin and I are going to lead you in that this morning. So let's just now quietly come before God and we'll begin with praise. And you are welcome to pray however you'd like, just sitting there. If you'd like to kneel, you're welcome to do that. If you'd like to kneel up here, you're welcome to do that. And then we are just going to quietly, or out loud if you would prefer, let's just start by words and uh, prayers of praise. Please, let's pray.
blessed us and taken care of us, Lord. We just praise you as Lord. Father, now we want to come before you, and, and we know that you would ask us to repent of things to be used by you, repent of things to begin to walk in your way. So, Father, give us the strength, bring things to mind by your Spirit that we can repent of before you now as a church. trust that you'll do it. So we look forward to those things. God, we know that when Jesus gave his Sermon on the Mount here, he taught us to pray, and finally he asked us to yield to him, to yield everything that we are as we pray to you, Father. And so this morning we'll take some time to yield to the Father, to say, your kingdom come, your will be done in me.
ourselves as a living sacrifice. And that when we die to ourselves, we find life, God. So we come and we surrender and give our lives to you. And then you say that you will build our life on the person of Christ. Build us, grow us as we surrender. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.